Okay, good afternoon. Uh, in the algorithms, we have been looking at data structures, etc. Lots of different ideas. Went through last time about heuristics when you want to optimize for some measure that we can't do exhaustively everything then we apply some measures to optimize. Um, of course, sometimes we can apply dynamic programming, some direct optimizations, sometimes we can't. We use uh, simulated annealing or genetic algorithms, etc. Today we are going to look at uh, specific types of problems uh, called uh, clustering and seriation. And uh, these are related to data analysis. So in the data mining course or machine learning courses, this uh, clustering will be addressed from different angles. In the data mining and algorithmics, I've been using the same uh, slides more or less. So there will be perhaps some overlap to the spring course. So what's this uh, all about? I hope my things will work. To change batteries again. Uh, it seems the computer has stopped responding. Somehow it's healthy to reboot the machine every now and then, even the Macs. So, <clears throat> imagine this is your data. There are objects that have different characteristics, different sizes, shapes, uh, uh, colors, and your task is to characterize uh, what we see in the skies. How would you do that? You would need to somehow find similar or identical objects and give the answer. And from here, bring down the stars from the sky, group them accordingly, and say that these are the major classes of objects in my data. Uh, when you see a mess, you want to apply order in the mess. Um, we, we see clearly clusters of similar cars. In here, the similarity is defined almost entirely by color. Right? And within the clusters, furthermore, there has been some ordering uh, by size or whatever the other characteristics. So every, the objects that you see, we need to characterize somehow. 
for every object there is some certain parameters, and what we ask uh, how to group data according to these parameters. You see a fruit bowl, and this is the answer. Right? You see a mess in here, you apply order. So how do you do this uh, algorithmically? Uh, clustering is finding grouping objects by similarity, by mutual similarity, similar things in one group. Uh, so first, before we start discussing how to achieve this, um, what is the objective somehow? Well, basically, yeah, so this is uh, the objective. There is data, and we want to find groups in the data. Um, but how to express this explicitly as, as objective measure? And what might be the heuristics to achieve this kind of uh, uh, clustering? Um, so there are, in the past, there have been some proposals of algorithms how to achieve the clustering, the same objective measure. They try to, um, every algorithm will have different uh, uh, flavors. They have some idea, what do I want to achieve? Um, then, of course, there will be complexity issues. Is it fast or slow? Uh, we're going to look at some of the typical clustering uh, methods. So we now roughly said what is clustering. We are going to look hierarchical clustering, k-means. And we keep talking about this, what is clustering in general. Uh, we will look at the hierarchical clustering, uh, partition-based methods, uh, self-organizing maps, uh, density-based methods, um, a little bit. So, uh, if this is data, what is called in cl uh, clustering is unsupervised learning. If this is the data, then we don't know anything about the points, there are no labels, find the data uh, clusters. Right? In here, we know that the points are, or the data is coming from two different um, they represent two different uh, things, two different classes, and the task is to find how to separate these two classes. That is called supervised learning. Yeah? One tries to find groups, and the other tries to find the best way to separate the two classes. So that for the new object you can ask, should it be hollow or fill full? Is it belonging to one or the other class? So that when the new object comes, you know what is the most likely answer. Uh, in here, of course, you, you expect that future customers will also fall in the same cluster, or different type of class, uh, customers would fall in that cluster, but then you already know how to treat those customers. You predict class labels into which cluster they belong, and then you can apply something specific to them. So in both cases, kind of, uh, we may ask what is the future labeling of uh, future objects, either assigning them to clusters or to these two different labels. Uh, but now we are dealing with a situation where we, we don't have labels initially, and we have to come up with the groups that are in the data. Uh, characterizing objects, grouping them, this is of course an old, a very old problem. Uh, there are many methods developed over hundreds of years. And uh, what I'm going to argue uh, briefly next is that there is no single method that would always suit in all the conditions. But, okay, but before we do that, so this is a typical example of uh, nine uh, data objects, one, two, three, four parameters. So data consists of nine objects, four attributes, and your task is now to cluster those objects in your head.
And while doing so, you should observe yourself, how your brain starts to work. What, what are the steps that you are trying to do? Quiet moment is over. Now just give me the answer. Sama? Last year, again with the weight and the speed. You would choose weight and top yeah. speed. Cluster based on weight with 1,500 less and more. These are all the small ones, and these are the heavy ones. Yes. You you have identified a cluster that is heavy cars, lighter cars. Yes. Okay. Somebody else was saying something, or started to say something. It's the same. I look. I started at weight. There was three clusters. Below one thousand kilos, uh, and in the middle and over over 2,000 kilos or something like that. And it corresponds to the top speed, with the same cluster. Uh, the heaviest cars are the slowest. The, me the medium cluster is the fastest. And it also corresponds to the air resistance a little bit. So what you have done in a way is you have already tried to do some feature selection. Which features are important for so in previously we had applied color, for example, of the cars. We didn't look at the V6 or V8 engine, right? Mm -hmm. It was only the color. In here we ignore the color for what reason? As our color means those clusters that we made some previously. For example, red is in the top speed and the middle speed. Okay, but, but you could have said something that colorful and uh, black and white cars. Whatever, right? Yeah. You, you, you did feature selection, you somehow said that these are the important features, and then within one feature you already uh, applied two or three clusters, within one feature attribute you already identified some clusters, and then said, okay, but there is another feature that may correspond to this feature, there is some relationship between those features, and what if we apply these two features, what can we do? So weight and top speed, the weight, the light, mid, and heavy. And uh, by top speed, you could say that they were also separate. And then, of course, nobody has given you the labels, but that's how you, you should somehow interpret those clusters, right? Mm -hmm. the, 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 the lorries, uh, sports cars, fun enough, are more heavy than those uh, small family cars. Uh, so we have these original data points. Uh, labels is something that is interpretation. There is not clear way how to come up. In here, there was no word. Yeah? You apply some external knowledge, uh, try to label uh, these uh, clusters. We selected two features. In this case, two features makes just two-dimensional space. But in generic, in generic case, why would we stick to two features if there is hundreds or two, uh, thousands of features? How can it reduce everything down to two features only? Uh, so, uh, cluster analysis obviously tries to identify such groups. And the way, the intuition now about the clustering is that within the cluster, everything should be similar to each other. Within the cluster, the within cluster distances should be minimized. At the same time, between the clusters, they should be as far from each other as possible. So, within the cluster, close. Between the cluster, far. 
Um, so that's what we somehow need to achieve. If we can find, using these features, some way to group data so that this is satisfied, then we can say, yes, these are natural clusters in my data. Uh, well, clustering is, of course, uh, human visual perception is, of course, strong. So uh, look at all the different ways how data could be arranged, even on the simple two-dimensional case. Like, clearly, you can see two clusters, right? But whatever I said previously, does not, what I said in here, does not hold. Because this point is more similar to that point in there, rather than this point in there. Within the cluster, things are not so similar to each other. Between the clusters, they should be far, right? But this is not the case. This and this are quite close compared to this and that. But clearly, they are two different clusters. Therefore, there should be some other met method to achieve this kind of two clusters identified. Uh, the clusters could have different uh, sizes and shapes. Again, the same holds that these things are more similar to each other, but clearly uh, in this shape and cluster, the two ends are very different, yet they are in the same cluster visually. And here you could ask, is it one cluster or two? In there, how many clusters do you see? Sir? Strawberry. Oh, you're just hungry. I just had my lunch. I don't see a strawberry in there. You're the first person who sees strawberries on this image. Um, how many clusters? One. So your method should come up with the knowledge that, by the way, there is no cluster. Uh, if you apply a method that asks in advance, how many clusters should I fit in here? 17, then it happily divides it into 17 parts. How many clusters in there? Don't be shy. Six or two, or four. If I would ask you to sit together and come up with a definite answer, what would that be? Could you reach definite answer? No. So, that means that there is... How, how can you write a program that gives you the definite answer? Your program will optimize for some measure, and uh, and uh, and that's what usually happens. People come to you and say, "Comes well, tell me what my data is about. How many clusters there is?" And you ask you ask back how many you want there to be. Right? Now you tell me you know you know about clustering. Uh, so this this is just a little bit illustrates that the, the clustering is not a trivial problem. And you may apply different heuristics, different uh, types of methods to try to figure out different aspects about the data. But it all boils down to somehow knowing what is the similarity or distance between the objects and what might be the, the groups. Are they, well, for certain groups, you can at least calc calculate some scores, right? In here, how many clusters? Or what other clusters? There could be something like this, or it could be something like that. And you can imagine that it's not quite easy to say which one is more true. Or is there? Uh, in here, you can see kind of texture clustering. Uh, this Obviously, it's more dense somehow region. So in the image, you could see that uh, there might be some edge in here or different textures. Finding contours or edges on the, on the images might also uh, be something that maybe some clustering could be applied. Clusters, all the previous clusters were nice separate, but they could be overlapping 
So you can see clearly two clusters, two distributions, red and uh, blue, and both happily overlapping in here. So you might even say that there is one cluster and the other, and they're overlapping, but that means that if you pick something from here, there is no way to say, does it come from one or the other distribution? They're just overlapping. Um, also, cluster methods, sometimes they say that clearly identify clusters that are disjoint from each other, right? And sometimes they may say that these clusters overlap and there is membership uh, opportunity to both the blue and the red cluster. So in this case, they would not be disjoint, the clusters. Uh, so this is an introduction to the clustering, and now we are going to look at hierarchical and partitioning methods and some of the other uh, uh, algorithms. Um, in the simple cases, we have data that is two-dimensional. Um, these are the objects, these are the two dimensions. Uh, we can add dimensions. These are the same objects, but add more dimensions. So when we start comparing the clusters, we have to somehow be able to look at these five dimensional spaces and say what is the similarity between different objects in here. For every possible pair, we should be applying also the distance measure or similarity measure, telling how, how similar or different they are from each other. Um, when we have these five-dimensional uh, data, uh, of course you can visualize it in your head. You can generalize from 3D to 4D and 5D. I can't, I'm older than you. My brain doesn't work in this way. Um, or you could try to plot them, uh, the five dimensions in here. One, two, three, four, five. And then one row corresponds to one uh, line in here. So these lines, you could, you, you could ask which lines are more similar to each other. For example, this one, uh, this one, and this one might be having similar shapes, right? What are these? Uh, D and B. D and B. 7, 9, 6, 9, 5, 8. Perhaps, perhaps this D and B. So the measure should, should somehow say that D and B are rather similar by some shape, right? Um, and that, that brings the question, what, it, what are these different uh, distance measures? You could of course ask, say that these are Euclidean distances, generalized to multi, uh, higher dimensional spaces, or they could be something that measures the correlation between the shapes. Uh, they could be different, uh, like text edit distance. This representation of the matrix as, as uh, line graphs in here, or just the same data uh, labeled by color, higher values are red, uh, smaller values are blue and yellow in between, may help visually to understand the data. So you can even drop the numbers and still see that um, the clusters should share the same kind of, uh, well, five and seven, they are both kind of yellow-red, green, reddish, so yes, B and D maybe are quite similar to each other. Right? But we can generalize that into much larger matrices, dropping numbers all together, as we can see later, heat maps. So, in the two dimensions it's easier to plot, two dimensions you can plot in 2D, and then draw circles around the data, uh, say that, oh, there is one, two, and three clusters, perhaps. Or, or if this is one, maybe that's, that's an outlier. So we ask how to come up with these uh, clusterings. First, as I tried to convince you, we need some kind of distance or similarity between every pair of objects. And once we do that, we may say that those that are very similar, they should be in the same cluster. So let's calculate distance between all the objects and then find uh, close uh, clusters. Distances could be Euclidean or city block distances. You, you may have learned these in different courses in the past. I guess you have Manhattan distance, you have. 
you can't go straight through the city block. You have to go x coordinate plus y coordinate, right? Mm -hmm. That's why it's Manhattan distance. Uh, correlations between the data uh, kind of measure that they go up and down at the same times, but the magnitude that is not so important. So Euclidean distance would say that these are very, very different values, but the shapes are both down, up, down, up. And uh, the same kind of correlations, you can even convert these data to ranks. The first, second, and third, first, second, and third, they are perfectly rank correlated without caring about the exact value. Edit distance, time warping, you had in the exercises. Distances uh, measure the distance. When distance is zero, objects are identical. Distances are positive. Uh, Well-behaving distances follow the triangle property. Uh, different formula, you go attribute by attribute, you measure the difference, square, uh, sum them together, take the square root, you agree the distance, you can apply different measures in here. Uh, there are some correlations, uh, is the simple formula, you go through the vector of f and g, for every attribute you subtract the, the mean, is it above or below the average of that, uh, of, of that vector, and likewise in here, and basically this allows to calculate the correlation. All the correlation is somewhat uh, similar. If the mean thing is not in important, it's the same formula without dropping these uh, f and g uh, bars, the mean uh, subtractions, and this corresponds to measuring the correlation of, or angle between the two vectors. So you can convert f and g, if this is two-dimensional, you can think of this as, as vectors, and you can measure the angle between them. Are they in the same uh, direction? Right? You can measure the angle, or you can normalize the vectors, and then you can ask what is the shortest, if you put the string in there, what is the distance of this string? If this is small, they are, the angle is small, if this is large, the angle is large, right? So there is a little bit of similarity between the correlation and, uh, and uh, uh, these angles between the vectors. There are 100 or so different distance measures, different similarity measures. You can look them up in the textbook and try to think always what might be the features that I want to see in my data. Uh, rank correlation converts data into ranks, first, second, third, fourth, well, that's why it's both three and half, five, and then you just look for other data sets that has the smallest um, and largest data like this, and then you can ignore the original values altogether, just work in this rank space. So with these different distance measures, we can apply, start applying the clustering. Uh, in the way that we have five objects, from first, we calculate all the pairwise distances from first to second, third, fourth, and fifth. So basically you can calculate all distances between all the objects. And now the task is, well, object to itself is zero, so that's why it's, this is missing the main diagonal. And now you can say that, okay, overall smallest distances between, between data points one and two, they are here at least these two things should be in the same cluster. You can start bottom up, say that let's first put two things into the same cluster that are closest to each other. Pairwise distances between points remain the same, except for, for one and two that have been just merged. Therefore, for three, four, and five, we need to recalculate the distance to now this merged cluster 1 and 2. We have the distance between objects, points, but now we have two points in the same cluster. So we have to generalize the distance between the objects to the, between the clusters after starting to merge them. Okay. Uh, 
but we we will follow this kind of intuition at the moment so we merge these recalculate the distances uh, uh, we'll come back to that uh, how to do this this is just illustration so from one and two the distance to three is uh, relatively small and distance to four and five has remained remained uh, large or maybe got smaller yeah we have incorporated three and perhaps this has has dropped somewhere no there is the merged cluster is in here 4.5 5, 6, 4, 5, 4.5, 5.5. Yeah, this is just average of these two numbers in here. But what happens in the end is, is that 1 and 2 were the first ones to be merged at certain distance. So this is a hierarchy that they are going to form. 1 and 2 were merged at this small distance. Then we added 3 at slightly higher distance. We have hierarchy in here. 4 and 5 were merged, they form a cluster, and then 4, 5, and 1, to 3 group together. Right? So we start bottom up, larger and larger clusters. Um, the, we need all pairwise distances uh, for this to work, and, uh, and uh, dimensionality, longer the vectors, that will affect. So first to calculate all the Distances is the length of the vector times n squared. Uh, different distances need to be calculated. And then using the distance matrix, we have to cluster. Now, to look at how to get the, the distances between the clusters, like in here, um, so what will happen is, is uh, we can define, once we have clusters with more points than one, we can start... Uh, defining the distances, for example, as follows. Between this and this cluster, the, we could say that distance is the distance between the two closest points, right? Just the smallest distance. In here is example where, where we don't say that the smallest, because we want all the objects to be quite similar to each other. Let's take the largest distance. All the distances have to fit within that large value. Or the third alternative is somehow to take the average between all the distances between the data points. Um, now imagine we merge this cluster and this cluster say that these, these were the closest. We merge them. Now we have one larger cluster and we have to calculate, recalculate the distance from the, from the merger of the two to this one. Yeah. We had from this we had distance to that, from this we had distance to that. We now merge these. How do we get the new distance from this to the merged cluster? In the case of minimum, it's we knew the smallest distance before, we know the small, smallest distance after. We merge them, it's the smaller of the two. For the case of maximal distance, it's the larger of the two distances. And in the case of average, we had average distance, average distance. We can take the average of those two averages uh, in different ways. We can either take into account how many data points is in the cluster or not. Imagine one being very small cluster and the other very large cluster, then it would be unfair to say that we treat them equally. So you can normalize it by, by the weighted average, or not weighted, <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> actually this is called unweighted average, because then you, you treat all the points equally, and the weighted one would put more weight on the small clusters. So the, um, I will show, there are unweighted group, unweighted pairwise group, uh, mean average and weighting. So this is actually two different ways to calculate the distance. Uh, so after merging the two clusters into a new one, we have the new one and we have to recalculate the distance to everything else. Um, and the average, well I already mentioned, it's the minimum of the two. We don't need to recalculate any distance, we just reuse what we have. It's just the smaller of the two or larger of the two. 
or in the case of averaging, we can take into account how many data points was in the one cluster or the other cluster out of all the NA plus NB. And, and therefore, if there is small number in here, make this distance to have smaller weight. And this distance that would have more, that would have larger weight, because more points were in this cluster. But this basically puts equal weight to every point, and that's why it's called unweighted. Again, again, different representation, similarity between the clusters, the smallest, the largest, group average. Uh, you could have different ones, like calculate the centroid and just calculate the new distance between the centroids. Uh, so there are different ways to, to achieve this. So the weighted one would just take the two averages and take half of those. Yeah? But in this case, if one cluster is very small, that gets unfair weight lift. So, we have two dimensional data in two points, uh, and after we calculate all pairwise distances, we can come up with the hierarchical clustering solution. These are all pairwise distances, it's symmetric. You could just have a look at one side of this. The smallest value seems to be our 0.8, it's between 8 and 9. 8 and 9, and this is the smallest value in here. Right? So 8 and 9 were first merged, then uh, 4 and 5, this is distance is 1 in here, they are merged together, um, and that's how we can formulate this hierarchical tree. Our data does not need to be uh, numeric data, it could be sequences, and apply different sequence similarity measures, so which they share long shared sequences, they share some other sequences, and the clustering tree could be uh, calculated exactly the same. Clustering can be done on the rows and on the columns, and the heat map would show the underlying values. You don't see any numbers anymore, but you see the large values, small values, values in between. You can take larger data sets and see that, aha, there is green, red, green, red pattern. There, there are some uh, cyclic data in there. And indeed, these genes that have been analyzed in here over the cell cycle are the ones that, over the cell division periods, switch themselves on or off in the nice manner. So clearly, these genes the, the rows are genes, the columns are different time points, different experiments. So these genes have something to do with the gene regulation in the cell cycle formation. Cell needs to replicate the DNA, then divide, etc. So you can interpret the, the visual data using the looking at what are the clusters. This is average uh, linkage clustering using correlations distance, uh, so that's how you can interpret the data. Uh, smaller number of, um, otherwise the data is the same, just uh, more intense uh, data. Single link clustering, average link clustering, complete list link clustering, and you can see how the three shapes may look slightly different, but roughly each one of those roughly brings out the same kinds of similarities in the data. This is, the sim this is simulated data showing the same single link clustering. It's enough to have single link. Usually it incorporates one new object at a time, uh, creates uh, trees like this. This is average link, which is rather nice and balanced, well-behaving, or complete link, 
In this case, data is synthetic, uh, automatically generated, so they all produce very nice and sharp uh, cluster information that you can visually see and relate to. Uh, the real data doesn't always behave uh, so well. Of course, you can measure all the speed, how, how, how long time does it take for how large data, how many, how many uh, objects, uh, what is the time to calculate distances, uh, if there is 10 attributes, uh, 1,000, no, 10 attributes or 100 attributes, there is 10-fold increase. But the clustering itself fits in here, right? Uh, so the, the both, these, these calculate all pairwise distances, all pairwise distances, but the clustering fits in here in between. And that is some 15, no, that's more. Yeah, 15 years ago, uh, I did these exper experiments on much slower computers than now. Uh, there is only n minus one mergers because every time we merge things together, like we did the uh, like we did the uh, uh, new maze, made merging two clusters together until there is nothing to be merged. And every time we have to find the smallest distance and then update distances to the new cluster. So you may uh, try to put in some. Uh, Priority queues, in this case, I wasn't even using any priority queues, just doing raw calculations. Heat maps uh, can be represented with different color schemes. So if you were unfortunate enough to be uh, colorblind, then you wouldn't see anything in this one, but then you could uh, change the color scheme even to black and white. Heat maps were not invented in Excel. They were not invented in these 96 papers but they were actually like 1873. So people have been doing clever stuff long time ago in history, before the computers. Uh, now, this is a different example of the data. That is actually the photograph, photo, done in the way that rows have been scrambled. Rows have been reshuffled. So I've been asking Salma to do this, help to do this uh, web tool where we can uh, do these kinds of stuff. Just take the upload image, reshuffle the rows, now they are in random order. What is that image on the picture? On the real photograph, row to next row is almost identical, right? Very small difference. So if, if, if you think that clustering brings together objects that are similar, maybe clustering helps to bring together the rows that are next to each other on the original image. Not always, sometimes. So taking this kind of data and numeric data matrix, finding rows with 500 attributes times three, because red, green, and blue color, 1500 uh, numbers on a row, uh, matching them, finding the similarities, the similar ones should be coming close to each other. Right? So there is some hope to apply clustering algorithms and try to see at least, perhaps we cover enough to understand what's on the picture. There is no guarantee that you will get the full picture. Um, but there is some hope. By clustering, right? Um, in here, only the rows were shuffled, but the, we could have also shuffled the columns. In this case, it would have been total like noise, noisy picture, right? But the entire row, the entire column still stays uh, stays the same. Uh, so you can reorder the columns, reorder the rows, and recover some of the images. Or you could think that. We need to get some order through the rows so that next one is close, 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 close. Why don't we try to apply a traveling salesman problem in here to find the shortest path through every row so that hopefully those which are very similar, they will be on the same path. 
So maybe travel salesman problem will help us also to get some reconstruction of the underlying image. Uh, or maybe some serialization technique that tries to put them in order uh, will give, give us something. By the way, simple programming exercise would be to calculate the overall intensity of the pixels and then just do it from the light to dark. And sometimes even that gives you takes you quite far. Uh, okay, so, so this is just that we can generate, if, if we don't take the real, uh, real data from, from the scientific experiments, it's easy to come up with the data where at least you know where it comes from and try to apply some algorithms. So the idea on the web is that you just take the download the data, you get the row IDs and then you can put the different ordering in and see what would happen if you put in the different order. Do you get to see anything or not? Uh, okay. Um, so anybody has good enough visual <laughs> processing power and tells me what is on the picture? I, I can't expect you to do that. Um, but I will, I will continue with the, with the methods. So I described the hierarchical clustering that comes up with these kinds of uh, hierarchical trees by saying that those that are most similar to each other should be definitely next to each other. Right? Um, so this asks from all, out of all the data to find those objects that are similar, most similar to each other. The problem is that when the data is large, when you have 20,000 and more rows, you have 400 million pairwise distances. 20,000 by 20,000, but then you can drop uh, half of those to basically... Uh, so A, A to B, B to A is the same, so otherwise it would be well, 20,000 to n times n minus 1 divided by 2. Uh, what Mary School did uh, in his master's and uh, what basically also defended PhD thesis was, was the kind of question, what happens if we don't want to spend 400 million time to calculate 400 million different distances? We don't have enough time. So can we succeed with having smaller number of distances calculated? Yes. <laughs> okay, do you want to elaborate on that? I ask uh, such a question and how it works. The problem is that somehow, even if you don't have all the distances calculated, you may still have the, the problem that uh, how, do, how do you ensure that all the correct enough distances are calculated? We will not calculate all the distances. So we will not calculate all the distances, and at least in the hierarchical merging of all the distances, when we don't have all of them, maybe we don't have the, exactly the same result. Maybe we approximate it. So that's why it yielded at the end approximate so, solution to the same hierarchical clustering. But to find the small, uh, the smallest distances is kind of trick. In the case of uh, Euclidean, in, in the case of, of distances with the metric properties, if, uh, if you know pairwise distance, and you know this pairwise distance, then basically it says that this one has to be closest in here, and the distance from there must be this plus or this minus this uh, distance. Yeah? At least we get the ballpark of the distance, estimate. And uh, with this estimation power, we can uh, basically start using some kind of landmark approach that was used in the graph uh, search. Uh, use in here, there are term, term pivots or sort, sort of landmarks. So from there, you can calculate all distances to other points, and now if two, two points are close, they should have roughly the same distances to each and every landmark. 
So k landmarks times n distances, and if for some points all the n distances are all the k distances are similar, then they should be close to each other. But the problem is that for two for these landmarks, in this case two landmarks, we still have n points and k distances to k different landmarks, and now we still ask what are the which ones are such that both of them are similar, like 7.4, 7.5, 3.5, 3.8, 5 and 7 must be pretty similar. Uh, 5 and 7. 5 and 7 are not very similar. It happened to be, okay, <laughs> 5 and 7 are not very similar because the distances are the same but they are in fact far from each other. 4 and 5, 7.2, 7.5, 4.1, 3.8, these are rather similar, and they indeed are similar, but 5 and 7 are rather similar, but they are in fact different, right? So adding more landmarks may bring out the difference between 5 and 7. Uh, but there is still k, uh, k distances for, for all n objects. And then the trick was somehow to uh, try to go systematically through, make some kind of grid, try to overlay them on the grid, uh, go through the grid in some order to see that uh, how many, I'm not going to have any of the, the details, some kind of epsilon grid ordering. If they fit in the same kind of uh, area, then they, they may be similar to each other. So Melis uh, came up with the method where it was enough to calculate, basically it just held the time, how much time do you have to calculate distances and based on that existing knowledge, trying to find those that are similar, close to each other, and then uh, approximate the hierarchy of the clustering uh, using that information. Uh, okay, so that, that was all kind of hierarchic clustering. Find the, small, uh, find the similar objects and say that they must be in the same cluster. Right? They must be in the same cluster, and then start merging them hierarchically, bottom up. Other methods may work top down. Try to say if you can divide it into two parts, and then recursively try to divide further. Right? Other methods, like in here, could work in a totally different manner. They could say that let's try to find some representatives and say that everything that is close to this representative must be in this cluster. And this is uh, uh, k-means and k-medoids uh, methods. Uh, so the idea is that you tell k how many groups you want to find in the data, and every, every group or every cluster is just represented by point in that cluster. That can be average, mean, like average point, or median, medoid, one of the actually existing points, which is as central to the cluster center as possible. But you have one point and the other, and if, if this point arrives, you, you, know, you, you know that this one is closer to that cluster, therefore this must belong to this cluster. And this one is close to this cluster, it, it is in this cluster. So, how does k-means work? We have points, and we want to make three clusters. We have no idea where the three clusters is, so we can as well as randomly guess three points. We can start from random guess. But now, after we have randomly put three points in the, in the picture, we can divide the space between the points so that we know for every point exactly uh, if that is, well, which, which cluster center would be the closest, right? So in here, the division will be this kind of, like halfway, maybe it's not the perfect drawing in here, halfway in these points, so they belong there, these belong to there, between this and this. So this is what the, new, what the first definition of the clusters would be, right? 
get the points and as assign the uh, objects to the closest cluster center. But this is not the cluster center. So we can recalculate what if these were the points in one cluster, where should that point go, P? We can calculate for the points the, the average or center of gravity and say that this object, this cluster center should move to the center of gravity. This one, obviously the center of gravity is somewhere in here, three points in there, one is there, so the center of gravity should be somewhere in here, right? So what, let's recalculate the center of, into this center of gravity. So we will move these points to the new location. And then with the new locations, you can do the step first, this step again. We have a new points, new centers, and then let's draw the lines between the clusters. Like we did in here. We had the random guess and we draw the clusters. Now, now we get the improved, uh, and then we redraw the clusters again. And, and this way, we get the new cluster boundaries. Every center will move to the center of gravity, and now everything has stopped. So you start from a random guess, and start applying this, let's divide the space, let's recalculate the cluster centers, let's uh, divide the space again, let's recalculate again, let's divide, etc., until it stops. And this process will stop, uh, in relatively small number of cycles. Within each cycle, you calculate distances from point, every point to every cluster center, just to verify into which cluster it should belong to. So there is n points, k centers, c cycles. k, n points, k centers, c cycles k times n times c. There is no quadratic term in there. There is no n times n all against all distances. We keep calculating distances to only the centers, k, k of them, small number of them. That's why k means is, is efficient for the larger data and small number of clusters. So this is the entire algorithm. Partition into k non-empty subsets, or sort of guess the initial uh, cluster centers, then uh, make the... Oh, okay, in here you, you can also uh, group the data, calculate the mean, assign objects, and then repeat this uh, cycle uh, many times. These are some examples of the data represented as line graphs, the initial data, cluster centers, the final cluster centers and each cluster in here having lines which have roughly similar shapes. The same data cycle behavior in the, in the data, the same red-green pattern that you saw in different visualizations before. Some clusters may remain relatively empty because there was not many other data fitting that cluster. This one may have points that are kind of outliers, but they are really high values. So by Euclidean distance, these would be very different, but by correlation distance, they are similar in the shape. Um, okay, so the, of course, the weakness is that k-means calculates the center all the time by taking the average of each coordinate-wise coordinate independently, like engine capacity, let's take the average, right? The, the wind resistance, let's take the average of that parameter, etc. But for, the, for, for some other, is it V6 or W12 engine, you can't take the average of those. Yeah. Categorical data, you can't apply exactly the average. Uh, so for categorical data, uh, the cluster centers, you could find the, the, the point that is most central or median of that cluster called medoy of that cluster. 
So otherwise, the method is, is very similar. Just now, Medoid applies the original data points, uh, finds the original data point that is most central to the cluster. Otherwise, you would have to calculate averages between yellow, red, and pink color. Uh, and this is roughly the out outcome. So the cluster centers, and it kind of divides the space as Voronoi diagram around those cluster centers. So everything that is closest to this center is in this cell, right? So it's kind of like Voronoi diagram of the data. In here, there is another feature that there is two labels, red and blue, so therefore you could have um, representatives from different clusters, but just ignore the color at the moment. That's how it's devised the cells. These are convex clusters around the central point. Like in here, right? That defines the four clusters with the four uh, data points. Um, you could start uh, saying that in the cluster there, there should not be too many black sheep in the white herd. Or white for sheep is it herd pack? No. Herd of sheep? And vice versa in the black sheep's herd there should be not too many white. So you can add extra parameter to optimize for. Um, and once you start optimizing for some other met methods, then you can start applying some uh, probabilistic methods. You could even try some of these optimization methods, try to find the optimal uh, selection of the uh, cluster centers so that these parameters are maximized for sort of like the coherence of the clusters and the differences between the two different clusters. Uh, maybe the methods will be slightly slower, but nevertheless, it's doable. You define the objective measure, uh, measure and then try to come up with a cluster that op optimizes for that measure using any of the previous heuristics that we have learned. Expectation, uh, expectation maximization is sort of applying probabilistic technique, a little bit similar like k-means, uh, tries to come up with a with this sort of like, what is the model for this data? What is the most likely model that generated that data? Okay, this model, right? And now we know this model, what is the probability to generate that data? Okay, that probability. So, shuffling between the, the data and the model, estimating model parameters, trying to see if those model parameters could have generated the data, and vice versa from this data, what would be the model parameters, Shuffling between the two, uh, it converges often, and you get uh, some um, some uh, results that try to optimize uh, one heuristic uh, to find the most likely uh, the most likely model. In this case, clusters clustering that could have given birth to that data that we observed. Uh, so we are, in our group, we are applying clustering and data analysis in different uh, bioinformatics contexts, uh, but you can have a look at the different uh, tools. Uh, these are Java-based, you can download everything, multi-experiment viewer uh, tool sets. Uh, so clustering, heat, map, heat maps, etc., they have been developed in different contexts. You can use those tools. Um, this is one of our tools, not, yeah, it has evolved a little bit, where there has been lots of data as rows, but before applying hierarchical clustering, Rival applied first the k-means cluster, clustering. So this cluster, row number 27, in fact contains 272 rows already, because the k-means came that 27th cluster with 272 elements in that. And the average profile is shown in here. So it's a little bit dim, but you can see that k-means produces smaller number of clusters, and the clusters that are similar to each other 
are brought together by hierarchical clustering. So combining the two clustering methods. First, k-means to get smaller number of clusters, and then hierarchical to get together the k-means clusters that are similar to each other. So within each uh, cluster, you can have underlying objects. In fact, in here, the rows are representing genes. Um, okay, um, and then we do different, more, more stuff, trying to go across many data sets, but I'm skipping those data in here. In here, one column is not one data value, but in fact, the entire cluster, this kind of more complicated, longer data set is behind uh, each value in here. And what is visualized is that similarity between one gene and the other genes within the, this data or within this data. So we are trying to analyze these such large data sets, try to find the clusters, the genes that are similar, the, the experiments that behave similarly, and try to characterize uh, such um, larger data sets. Uh, so there will be uh, thousands of experiments, each, each having maybe hundreds or even thousands of uh, attributes. Uh, okay, um, we have about 20 minutes to the end of the uh, lectures. I'm trying to figure out the, the scheduling in here. I agreed with Benson that he will come and talk about parallelization next lecture, Thursday. I will continue with the clustering and surveillance then either next Monday or next Thursday. But my worry was about uh, uh, projects, assignments. Yeah. To how do you start performing your project? Um, so first, you should find a team, one, two, or three people, and then. Uh, try to identify the problem that you would like to work on. Right? Um, I have one slide deck with some ideas, at least, for projects. It's not complete. I hope that we can get more. I sent out the email to Dima and Riva and other people that they would propose projects. But I would be extremely happy if your teams would come up with the project proposals themselves. Right? What are the things that uh, you find interesting? That you would you are curious to figure out more details about? Uh, these are some of the nicest projects. Uh, should we have a look briefly at what we what I have at the moment in the slide deck? That would fit in the twenty minutes nicely, or should I carry on with the clustering? Self-organizing maps, kind of neural networks. Your call. Projects. Projects. And five minute break before that. No? <laughs> it, I, I will change the slide. So, so you will have two minutes. You can, should stand up and do some exercise. <laughs> 